Oh, this is recorded. I'm out of here. <laughs> All right. How's that? I realize it's been a long time since I've done this for fun. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Was is, It's always fun, Brock. Oh, it, what... of course. No, what, what I mean is I've been doing teleconferencing a... for work, you know, mm. for so long and without, without any like pleasure pursuit and because like nobody's doing a virtual happy hour or anything anymore mm -hmm. either and good riddance i say that wasn't any fun i mean i guess it was but virtual sad it used hour to be, it used to be novel and now now there's really like it's not what the people want Welcome to episode 600 of the Sprocket Podcast. We're simplifying the good life, and I am Guthrie Straw. Hello, I'm Joan Pettit. We're broadcasting from Portland, Oregon, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. I'm Armando Luna. This is a show where we bring you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. We cover bicycling, trains and transit, infrastructure, adventures, life hacks. And today we're talking with a very special guest, me, Brock Dittis. Hello. <laughs> you thought you'd gotten Hi, rid Brock. of me, and yet here I am. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely not that we invited you back. <laughs> I feel like Cher, you know, saying goodbye one more time. <laughs> You're saying hello this time. Saying exactly. Hello. Like Adele. Yeah, that's it's Adele. Me. <laughs> By the way, yeah, and uh, you know, we, we 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 wanted you to feel included, so we uh, wrote you into the intro and everything. Thank you, I do. Well, it's good to see you all. Nice to see you too, virtually here in our home studios. <laughs> and not too much has changed, right? We're still still virtual, still able to talk to each other from anywhere, any corner of the globe, because it definitely has corners. Yeah, the corners are a lot easier when they're in our time zone, but uh, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but well, you know, it makes it yeah. easier to fold when you have to do that. I think we've done like what, maybe five episodes in person, six, maybe. Really? That many? In the past year? <laughs> like that, maybe not. <sighs> Nobody it seems like yet. a lot. I don't know. I don't remember that many times. It's all been a blur. <laughs> As a listener, it's been fun to hear a couple things here and there where, where people are actually in proximity. Yeah, definitely. I haven't told either of my co-hosts, but I'm creating a basement studio. So as long as we For don't real. all have COVID, oh, nice. we can hang out potentially in a space to record. So, Is that a basement studio in the place you live also i moved last week oh <laughs> it all makes sense now it all makes sense now i was like how much do we want to go into this but like a basement in your <laughs> i know there was a sticker made that says who the heck is guthrie but a more accurate description of the last two weeks would be where the heck is guthrie <laughs> that's exciting that's exciting that Maybe. also needs to be a sticker there we go <laughs> well i know wow. who to call um, I yeah. still haven't uh, built the uh, bike, the non-moving, the bike that doesn't move, that's in a box in my basement. 
that I got in the winter because I missed riding my bike and then the weather got nice. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're ahead of me, Guthrie, because I've lived here for a long time <laughs> and I don't even have my bike in a basement yet. All good. Bikes belong inside. Actually, my, uh, my ones that mo do move are inside are in the basement. Actually, I guess I could just ride them around in the basement. Yeah. There you go. Just enough space to do that. Real tight circles. I mean, if I moved, no, not right now. Not currently. Okay. No, I won't, right. pretend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I won't pretend. I won't pretend. I won't pretend. So how's everybody doing, Brock? How are you? I'm all right. Uh, I'm, I'm having a check this out. Um, holding this up for all the listeners to see. Uh, this is Folgers Noir. <laughs> Folgers Noir Golden Dusk Instant Coffee. I uh, thought it was cologne. Uh, well, you know, it, it might be. I might be doing it wrong. Uh, but I, I felt like I, we were getting close to recording time, and I, I, I felt my, maybe just a little tired. You know, it's the afternoon slump, and so I decided to make a cup of instant coffee, which for Folgers, this is probably the tastiest Folgers there is. I don't know. Um, I... I I don't pretend to be a connoisseur, but I am enjoying of instant coffee, a cup of instant coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And I poured myself a double of my non-alcoholic whiskey from, uh, from ritual. So, okay, wait, so it's called noir though. So it's for night. So is noir. it decaf? Well, I think that's just meant to imply that it's very dark. Oh, I thought, I thought it was supposed to be like coffee. You know, it's just supposed to be like the instant dark roast or whatever. Although Looking at the label, it does say medium dark, and there are two more coffee bean symbols with uh, intense dark on the other end of the spectrum. So this isn't nearly as dark as it could get, um, I, but it's instant. So I don't know. Like it, I, I think that would just mean more like maybe tastes more burnt, and this tastes pretty burnt already. Usually, so usually yeah, usually instant has, I think, like two-thirds the caffeine of a regular cup. Oh, so I should make a second cup then. Yeah, is that a selling point or a... I don't know. I'm not a huge, well, that's not true. I've only really, really recently started drinking coffee, but, uh, I don't really know what instant coffee tastes like. Mm. Well, it's sure probably best delicious. left unexplored, right? No, it's, it's, it's actually, it's really tasty. If you cook it, if you cook it, if you prepare it exactly to the instructions that they say. So like if they say a, this makes a six ounce cup, use six ounces of water exactly to, <laughs> to whatever measurement they say. And it actually tastes pretty good. Don't mess with the formula. Uh, preheat oven to 450 degrees. Just that initial blast. Yeah. <laughs> the blanching of the coffee. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's funny because I'm I'm not an instant coffee fan, but occasionally you need it. Uh, just, just if you need it. And um, I, I think it's probably worth it. Joan, just I'm very curious. You said you just started drinking coffee. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I don't, um, I don't think I talked to that many adults for whom that's the case. So do you want to share just a, a smidgen? My coffee of resume. Yeah. When I, so my mom and dad all drank coffee. And when I started wanting a caffeinated beverage, I just didn't, even though I loved the smell of it when my parents made it of whatever instant coffee, they were, yeah. you know, they were drinking. Um, I just started drinking tea with milk. We had tea around and gotcha. I just developed a taste for uh, black tea and had had like maybe three cups of coffee total in my life. And then, uh, you know, a handful of years ago, about five years ago or six, I was in Ethiopia for the year 
And of course there, I was drinking coffee as part of coffee ceremonies too. And it's not exactly that I, I mean, I guess I developed a bit of a taste for it or it just became a little more interesting. And so then I just, uh, I, and I, had, I have a like drip coffee maker for when people come to visit from when my parents would come to visit. So I don't know, I've just gotten into the habit of it. And I think it's just been, I guess in the past couple of years during the pandemic, it's just been something different something to do. Yeah. Like it's like coffee that's new and different. It's like, I am the only person in Portland who can say that. <laughs> and then, you know, my kids, right. They're Ethiopian. So like my 17 year old is he'll drink coffee with me in the morning. And I'm like, do you want some coffee? It's your heritage. Right. And you know, sure. so, you know, and then, but I have to put a bunch of milk and sugar in his, but but I, and also I oh I also buy Ethiopian coffee. I can't bring myself mm-hmm. to buy any other kind because I just feel like it's one of the small things I can do to support the economy from here. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So you were having caffeine already, so it wasn't like you discovered caffeine for the first time. Yeah, was let me a, not. Per- yeah. Was there a jolt from the cup? Like, did did coffee give you a harder hit than than you were expecting? Ah, uh, I was drinking a lot of tea. Okay. All right. So, so, so no, I would, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And also I, I may, maybe, you know, as a librarian, just the, the cliche of like being a librarian walking around with your mug of tea, it just oh, was sure. working for me. It's yeah. just working for me. And it was mm-hmm. like, it's like, Oh, do I have work to do better? Make a cup of tea. Sometimes it's just easier to be a coffee drinker. There's not always tea around. I guess librarian tea is different than, um, than like English tea, right? Like it's, I I feel like in Great Britain that you have your, your kind of tea ritual that's kind of set with a certain time of day. But if you're a librarian, you could have tea anytime and maybe. I I think that they drink tea at other times of day there Mm -hmm. as well, but I tend to drink, got some real fascinating uh, (laughs) tea content for the people today. I drink tea with milk, which is, I guess, a pretty British thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but not so common tea. People here will drink it with like lemon or sugar. Oh, and then when I went uh, to the South for college, I discovered the glory that is sweet tea, iced tea, which iced tea, but sweetened iced tea, which is just so good because they put the sugar in while it's hot. So it, oh man. And then I worked at a place where we could just that you could go to the restaurant and fill up your big, big old travel mug for free mm-hmm. full of sweet tea. 64 Ooh. ounces. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was, it was a big mug. So you just, you know, like <laughs> big gulp good. size things. Yes. And good for you. Uh, yeah, I'm sure super, super good for. Yeah. Sh- sugar. Yep. So there we go. I like milk in my tea as well. Do you yeah. black tea? And black tea. tea. I mean, green tea, I suppose. Um, oolong, probably not. I think, I think black tea for sure. Um, Thai tea, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Condensed milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally, I like the milk factor because it cools down the drink. I have not developed tea mouth ever, mm. so it's helpful if I can cool it down by forty or fifty degrees before drinking. Oh, is tea mouth mean a tolerance for a very hot beverage? <laughs> is that what that means? <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what it's called. Let's just call it tea mouth. <laughs> That's the, the medical term. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. I looked it up on Wikipedia. That's painful. That's interesting to me too, because Armando, you're, you're a big proponent of coffee outside, right? And I feel like 
the whole point of coffee outside is that you have that hot cup of, of coffee. And so the temperature of the beverage, I don't know, maybe it has something to do with, with where you're having or what setting you're in and probably a lot of it in personal preference too. Oh, it's, it's, that's interesting. You say that because my parents would like their, their coffee would be like, you know, I think probably 215 degrees or Mm -hmm. 220 degrees. Yep. (laughs) They've always wanted it like the scalding hot. And I think, I think that's one of the reasons I never ended up drinking coffee until I was older, because I, all I remember is, you know, scalding my tongue. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. that's not very pleasant. Coffee sucks. (laughs) You had to develop tea mouth. I guess, but uh, well, no, I, I developed drinking coffee at a lower temperature where you can taste it and it's much more pleasurable. It's like they were drinking it at the temperature where it was almost turning into vapor. Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. They're, it was turning their tongues into vapor. I think yeah. it's a gas. It's just your, your, uh, your morning. <laughs> it's a gas. You like apply it over your face and you just inhale it. They did Hills brothers. There's oh. Hills, Hills brothers. Mm-hmm. I think my parents did Maxwell House, maybe. Or uh, Sanka is another big brand from that era, isn't it? <laughs> That's right, Sanka. Or Instant. Sanka was the Instant, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's Maxwell House. I have a nice old Maxwell House tin that I found on a free box in the curb down here in Salem. I was happy about it. Um, it had it, classy packaging. I think any packaging from the 50s, it, it almost looks hand-painted or something. I think it was beyond that era, but but it looked that way. Speaking of coffee outside, I think Armando, did you you attended the most recent one? And as a segue, I'm also curious I, if Brock brings coffee supplies while bike camping. So, question to Armando, question to Brock. Oh, I don't. I I bring coffee already made to coffee outside. I mean, everybody else like brings their their kit and everything, and it's like that's too late for me. I'm already on. My, that's coffee outside is already my second cup of coffee. Oh, there you go. <laughs> You've already been drinking it. Exactly. My mistake was no cups of coffee. That's why I was not at the event this weekend. <laughs> well, there's goodies. To there's outside, donuts too. Yeah, without coffee. Uh, I, I do. I like to bring uh, a a kit along. I think, as you called it, Armando. It's nice to have. Uh, um, it's nice to have something warm in the morning at that scalding hot temperature. Um, we have. And you, I think Armando, you came to a coffee outside that I put together for Petalpalooza. I think I was working during the summer because I worked in education, but, uh, but I had work during the summer. And, and so in order to have coffee outside, I essentially stationed it at the end of my commute. And I think you and two other people joined me, um, up on Marine drive and we sat there and, and made coffee. So you would have seen my setup. That's essentially what we bring whenever we go camping. Uh, it's a jet boil. So the, um, kind of the self-contained unit sort of thing where it makes great at making hot water. And, um, that, uh, essentially it, you have your hot water and then either you can make coffee or you can make instant coffee. Um, we generally like fresh coffee better than instant. And so that's what we usually bring. We'll, we'll kind of pre pre grind it at home and keep it in a jar or what have you. And then, um, we, I think we're going on, it was a wedding gift. And Adele and I got married in 2008. So how long has that been? Quick, help me. My anniversary is coming up. I need to know. Um, I think it's 14 years coming up soon. Um, but uh, that's how long we've had the uh, REI press. It was like this jumbo. I think it was a 32-ounce press. Pretty big. Um, but you know, we would usually take it on trips where either 
we wanted to drink a lot of coffee or we had friends coming along. Usually it takes two boils of jet boil, uh, to fill the whole thing up, but, uh, yeah, it's really nice to have fresh ground coffee. That said, you can also bring, I think for a long time, via from Starbucks was what we found to be the best instant coffee of all the options out there. And so that's what we would use mostly because it take up, it would take up very little space in our bags and it wasn't very heavy. Um, not a huge fan of the Starbucks brand, but they're everywhere. And I am a fan of the, uh, burnt taste. So, um, it does deliver that in spades, but that's what I would usually take on a, on a bike camping trip. I, uh, I didn't actually know there were like new kinds of instant coffee being so new to coffee drinking mm-hmm. as I am. I just thought that it was, maybe that's cause we're here in Portland, but I just thought that everybody just had, you know, coffee that was just roasted in your neighborhood two days ago or something. Mm-hmm. But, um, and are you just heating up water like on a regular camp stove or do you have some special thing? That was the jet boil, just the kind of oh, the, the jet boil. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, it's not propane, right? What is it? It's like a compressed gas or is it propane? I, Guthrie, you, you look like, you know, I, this is one that I always feel like <laughs> I know it. And then I often get it wrong. I want to say propane, butane, yeah. but I could be wrong. I, I want to say, I want to say it's isobutane. Or I think ice- that's what's coming back to my memory. Yeah. And I think I that's what. No yeah. knowledge about it actually. <laughs> <laughs> Cause the canister, you know, you can get various sizes. I remember you could get one that fits inside of the jet boil package. So it like packs down to a tighter, smaller size, but then like that one runs out real fast. So we ended up getting the bigger ones and just making space in our panniers. And you can put a lot of other things inside. Yeah, you've got it. It's right there on camera with a little, uh, little folding tripod legs. Right, what does it say on the label? Does it say isobutane? It says isopro, but the iso-pro. Other, other letters are too small. I can't read them. Okay. Iso yeah, too I'm, small. I'm actually looking at the website now and it's amazing how they don't actually use those words anywhere because <laughs> they're just trying to tell you about how you can precision cook. Yeah, the fuel type is not the selling point, I'm assuming. Uh, it looks like suddenly you've, you've dropped off, Joan. Are, are, you, uh, are you muted or am I? Oh, she's dropping off. No. Hang on. Can you, can you guys oh, yeah. hear me now? Yep. Yes. Okay. I don't know what happened. Here we go. But first I have to blur my background, right? Let's see. I feel like I want to make like a program shortcut or like a system program shortcut. So you could just press a hotkey and then go between blur and no blur. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be the sweetest. Would be good. Boy, I don't even, I don't even know where to start. It's been so long since I've done that. I can put my background into San Francisco. Well, it's probably not important. We, we have other things, but I was just thinking if I were to hold up this dollar bill. Guthrie, do you have a dollar bill? It seems uh, like, Brock, it seems like you're about to do a magic trick. It's I was like, going to see if the blur would $1 recognize the, the presidential head or not. Uh, it's probably not all that important. <laughs> can we uh, Can we circle... Oh, he's, he's moving it in. Bring, bring it in closer. Bring it in closer. Oh, there we go. Yep. Uh, oh, almost. Oh, we look, saw it through it. Screen. No, it, it's got to be when it's closer. in front of your face. There. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's right yep. in the center. Huh. Okay. So it does not recognize George Washington. And neither do I. I mean, I wouldn't recognize him walking down the street, modern clothes. <laughs> I wouldn't. 
I've seen, I've seen a couple different pictures. Uh, like there was a series, I think of like what presidents maybe of like what they would look like without the powdered wig or everything. And then there was one, um, it was one of, of Jesus. If he followed the BYU's uh, code of, of dress and hair and all that <laughs> looks pretty bland, pretty average. That, but that's probably white Jesus. Well, naturally. We're talking yeah, about he's... BYU. Did <laughs> <Say> it. <laughs> <laughs> we circle back to bike camping or did we miss that? <laughs> did I miss that one myself? Oh, yeah, we out? finished that up. <laughs> we're, we're talking about, well, uh, we're about clarifying we... <laughs> coffee, <laughs> coffee and isobutane and, and whether and or not, yeah, which we which may was... It was Guthrie's attempt to get us to stop talking about coffee. <laughs> we started talking about coffee on, on bike camping trips. It's I'll, going I'll perfectly. About coffee all day. I mean, like I've been looking for a setup because we just have uh, like Mr. Coffee French presses and those are perfectly portable. They're just a bit glassy. So, yeah. Oh, uh, see, I try to find something without plastic. That's. The really difficult thing. I mean, if you do a pour over French press, but if you're actually just looking for like some sort of drip coffee maker without plastic, that's hard. And are you thinking, well, if we're thinking about a bike camping setup and we're thinking about coffee, the, my system, the jet boil system has aluminum. I want to say on the interior, it might be coated, so I'm not sure what's in there. Um, but that is not plastic. I think the, we have a tin cup. We have a tin cup set, but I've become a big fan of like the double walled insulated tumbler. Um, generally, I'm not sure if we're making enough coffee to fill mine, but I'm working with a smaller one than I used to have. But I do like that it's not plastic. I think the big wedding gift tumbler or a French press that we got is plastic. It's cracked. The problem with, uh, with plastic is that it cracks and then, then you have this crack and you're like, well, can I live with it? Can, can I kind of make it work? And the answer has been yes for these many years now. It's not leaking to the point where it's like unusable. And so we just make coffee and there's a little bit left over on the table when we're done. But um, if you have a glass carafe for your French press, if that breaks, it's all over. When we went car camping, we used our regular home uh, stainless steel thermo carafe. Yeah. So we just brought that camping too. And that won't crack unless you're really hard. It'll on not it. crack. Yeah. What, what was your power source? I know it's, it's a French press. It's a oh, oh, a French press. Stainless Sorry, steel, 54 inch oh, fresh, oh. French, fresh, fresh, French, the French press of Bel Air. Yeah. Thermal craft. <laughs> well, I mean, I, why it, not bring it if you're in a, if you're going car camping, that's the thing. It? You can plug it into your 12 volt. But then, I mean, so I always made, so this is what I do when I camp to make coffee. The first thing I do is boil water and make a cup of instant coffee and drink that while I'm making the regular coffee. Real coffee. <laughs> you have like kind of your opener. Wait, do you do, of, do you do that at home? Do you do that at home? Oh, sometimes. I mean, we, I mean, uh, I got some really nice instant coffee for Christmas and uh, I ended up, I ran out of beans one week and I ended up drinking it all. But it's really, it's really good instant coffee. I mean, it's, you know, you talk about the Via when they used, that used to be the only thing. Right. But now there's so many different kinds. And now they even have the, the instant coffee. It's not even instant, it's pour over, but it uh -huh. comes in an envelope that has like a paper filter and everything. And you just, it's just like you open the envelope, unfold the paper. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. 
the thing. I mean, it's like a pour over K cup. Yeah, it's like a pour <laughs> over K cup. And then but it's all made out of paper and cardboard. And then you just put it over your cup and make it makes a cup of coffee. The pour over. Sweet. That's that's kind of nice. Uh, so wait, uh, what, what's the what's the brand you were thinking of? I don't know. There's there's so many okay. now. I, I actually. Uh, I actually texted the person that got it for me um, for Christmas because I couldn't remember what it was or where they got it. Because uh, we're supposed to do a uh, bike camping this weekend, but I don't think we're going to because it's going to rain. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was a local roaster out of Hood River called Stoked, which uh, I think that's how you're supposed to say it. Uh, it's a, it's in all caps, so I usually say Stoked. But um, they they had an instant coffee offering, and I was really excited because I was like, oh hey, it's a domestic, and I mean no coffee is truly domestic, right? Usually it's grown internationally and shipped in. Um, but, or in Hawaii, Hawaii. Sure, Hawaii. sure, yeah. Um, but I was I was excited about the idea that I might be able to buy something from an Oregon business. Uh, but when I bought it, it tasted kind of like Folgers. I, I was a little let down by the actual flavor. So, so I'm curious if you find out what it is, Armando. Just circle back to me and let me know. They were stoked they could just rebrand Folgers and nobody <laughs> noticed. I wonder. I kind of wonder if that's what happened. Yeah, it's local artisanal instant coffee. Yes. <laughs> locally artisanally repackaged it's grown near hops or it is mm -hmm. it is uh it is packaged in a factory that's right. within a few miles of where there have been hops or something yeah, yeah. Yep. i uh i i i it's a, see i'm just getting into the world of fancy coffee now i'm gonna have to circle back and learn all about instant it's kind of like if you were introduced to craft beer and then you're like what but wait there's all this other domestic product that isn't nearly as tasty and it's way cheaper, which naturally means you need to drink more of it. Got it I'm learning so here. much from you all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our, wait, let, let's talk more about bike camping though. Yeah. So, um, Armando, where were you going to go this weekend? Uh, we're supposed to go to Stub Stewart. Stub Stewart. Classic. I, yeah. I, I, uh, Bike camping is so great in theory, but <laughs> there's the problem of uh, where do you go that's not Stub Stewart, I guess, which, you know, for here, you can take the max to Hillsboro and then, and then it's, I've, that's the only place I've gone bike camping. I know there are a few other options and you can, yeah, but, the, but it's, it's, a, it's, I really like the idea of it. I wish there were a few more options closer in, but maybe for you, Brock, there are, are there more places that you all can get to just from home by bike? I mean, my experience down here in Salem has been that, uh, there are not as many options as I had in Portland. Uh, but also the trick with Portland for just an overnight, if you wanted to go out for one night and come back was that there's a lot of suburb to get through. And so, um, your, your max train to Hillsboro to get to stub steward is kind of a stable for most folks. Although I've done it both ways. I don't recommend the West Hills. They're no fun to climb, but is a hill ever fun to climb? But, uh, what I've found is that, um, here in Salem, my favorite bike camping destination is only 11 miles away. Um, it was, uh, it was one that I loved to, to do the, the light rail assist and then bike from Hillsboro down South. Uh, well, I'm at mission state park. It's great, but it's too close really to be uh, an adventure or to be a whole day thing. Like you have to leave it two in the afternoon or three in the afternoon to really feel like, uh, like you're not just sitting around when you get there. And so, wait, um, what's it called? Willamette 
Willamette Mission. Uh, I want to say it's the original site of one of the first white settlements in Oregon, um, religiously based, which is why they call it Willamette Mission. Uh, I want to say Jason Lee is the is, is a name that's yes. been put yes. on a couple oh, of different oh, things. Oh, yeah, right. And he was in fact a missionary. Yeah, I think he also founded Willamette University. If I'm not mistaken. Um, I see. so so yeah, it, it was his facility there. I think in the beginning, um, and so that's the site of it. The building is gone, uh, but the wonderful, beautiful nature remains. The thing I like about that spot is that um, it is not a shared campground in the sense that it's not a, a big camp loop, um, that you don't have a bunch of people in RVs and that sort of thing. Uh, there is a an equestrian campsite, so people might drive in with their horses and ride the horses around the park and stay there overnight. Um, but aside from that, it's just the bike camp, so it's real quiet at night, which is super cool. Um, there are three or four different campsites within the bike camp or the hike camp. You could walk there, I guess, essentially as well. Um, and I think they, uh, you gotta, you gotta come in through the front gate or at least go to the front gate to pay, I think, cause that's where they have the automated, uh, they used to call it the iron ranger when you just dropped an envelope in. So I'm not sure what they call it now. The electro ranger, the power ranger, iron ranger. Yeah. Robo ranger. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the way that, um, the way it's set up, they also have a disc golf course that is around the bike camp. And so invariably the last couple of times I've been there in the morning, disc golf is pretty hot and a lot of people like playing disc golf. And if you don't position your tent carefully, um, you might have discs like landing next to your tent and then people running through and, and saying, you know, sweet bro or wicked or whatever. And so, um, I think that I'm not against disc golf, but I, I do like a quiet morning waking up and that has maybe put a bit of a damper on it for me. That said, it's still a great destination. I like what they've done. And so, um, definitely recommend it. Uh, but there's that. Then there's also the thing we did last fall. And I don't think, yeah, I don't think we've talked about this. The thing we did last fall was kind of a bike touring thing to close out the season. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, I've got two young kids. One is one year old and one is three years old. And so my wife and I, and my two kids, uh, we took the Tom's cargo bikes, cargo bike, uh, that I got from EJ Finneran. Thanks EJ. Um, and we rode that one out along with, uh, Adele had a trailer for the other kid. Uh, I usually have my oldest in mine and then she had the youngest in the trailer. And we did about 35 miles from Salem, uh, out along the Sanium river and landed in the town of Lyons. And it's John Neal Memorial Park. Uh, it's a Lynn County Park, and it has uh, an overnight sort of thing. Uh, great park. We found out that uh, ordinarily you have to um, you have to reserve, I think, for two nights. Um, so I think Adele sweet talked the reservation agent at Lynn County Parks and said, "Hey, it's the last one of the season. What are you going to lose? We can pay you for one night." They were like, "Okay." Um, so that was a cool destination. Uh, not particularly kid safe. We got a beautiful site next to the river, but you know, it's the sort of thing once you have kids, it's like, Oh, my kid could fall and hurt themselves and be swept away by a river in any number of places around this campground. Um, so we were attentive, but, uh, but that was a great destination. Uh, and it then, was, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I was just going to say, so you said it was about 30, 35 miles from yeah. home for you. Yep. So how, so when you were with them, Right. Cause I'm sure if it was just you two, there would be a very different flow to the way that you're going to get there than yeah. you're with them because For they're, sure. they're hanging out. They're not moving while you're doing that. So did you time it like around nap time or how did you do that? 
Yeah. You know, nap time is not a bad thing to plan around a bike ride. I think like it usually happens at some point or another. Uh, it depends on the, it depends on the trip and depends on the conditions, but, uh, I'm sure my youngest napped. I'm not sure. I don't remember. I don't think, I don't think my oldest ever really slept off uh, on that one, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it was originally it was Joe Kermaski, the metal cowboy who had said in his book, like, you know, you just plan more time because you're going to need it. Like you always have to make more stops. Um, and so that's particularly true. Um, but, but yeah, we, we took a nice, easy pace. Um, it, it, the, the hardest part on that particular route was that there was a lot of climbing, uh, and it was even more, it, it was murderous, honestly, on the way back. Like it was a very steep climb. We did the same route out as back and, um, super steep hill. It was just, uh, not, not really to be messed with. So, um, yeah. It, and uh, your bikes, you're, they're cargo bikes, but they're not e-bikes. There's no, no they e assist. Oh, yeah. The cargo oh. bike is 77 pounds. Um, and so that's not helping. Maybe the West Hills are looking a little more attractive. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. What about Shampooey, Brock? Shampooey State Park is, that's the other best option. That's about 30 miles away from where I live. And it's there on the Willamette River as well, not too far from Wilsonville. Um, and actually right next to Historic Butteville, the Historic Butteville store is, I think, owned and operated by Oregon State Parks. Um, we were going to go this last weekend. It was mother's day and Adele wanted to go bike camping kind of as a thing to do. Um, it ended up being really wet. And I think you, you alluded to that, uh, Armando earlier that it's, it's just been a pretty wet May. It's a wetter spring, which bodes well for, you know, we've had some really dry summers the past couple of years. And so I'm, I'm just hoping fingers crossed that that means we don't have maybe as much fire danger this summer. Um, I'm sure we'll see it, but maybe it'll be a little bit better. Uh, but the problem with shampoo is that this bike camp, I think is kind of maybe the lowest part of the campground. And so if it's been raining, it can be wet. I think I've seen standing water there at times, depending on what time of year I've been. So, um, that is a great spot. And certainly in the summer when it's dry, a great place to stay. When you moved to Salem, what kind of bearings did you use to find these places? I'm curious for somebody who maybe hasn't gone bike camping, but knows that there might be quote unquote things around. Um, <laughs> yeah. What are some suggestions for kind of acquainting to your space, you know, wherever you're at? Yeah. I mean, most of the options I've discussed are places that I had known about. So um, I think a lot of it probably comes down to if you don't know an area, what's on the map uh, and then finding out whether that's a viable destination or not based on what it takes to get there. And Joan, you'd alluded to like, you know, there, there are various levels of comfort depending on what the destination is. And, and like myself, like I remember there was a trip where I was in hood river and coming back to Portland and I just rode along the shoulder of I 84 because it was just me. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I guess I'm the kind of guy who makes, uh, decisions like that from time to time. Uh, I've become far more, uh, cautious when it comes to, you know, if I'm taking my kids anywhere, I want to make sure I know what's going on. That said, uh, I found that a mirror helps a lot, uh, to just be able to know what's coming behind me like that, as opposed to craning my neck to see, um, it really helps just to have a little mirror clipped onto my glasses so I can see what's coming. Um, but oh, you clip it onto your glasses. So not onto your helmet or your bike. Yeah. I'm sure you could get the helmet, uh, mirror as well, but I, I wear glasses and I, I find that it works well for me. So that's what, that's what mine does. 
I didn't know that there were, I'm learning still even more things now. I didn't even know that there were little, uh, mirror or mirrors for glasses, or is it huge? That would be good looking, like a huge. Sometimes like I wish it was head. a little bigger. It, it definitely <laughs> took a while to get used to it being there. Uh, it's kind of a picture in picture sort of thing, but, um, but no, it, it, it works pretty well for me. Just kind of a wire, uh, framework that keeps it tightly on my glasses frames. But, uh, for your, uh, answering your question, Guthrie, I think just, uh, for me, what I usually do is just to look at the map and see what's near me and like how far of a ride might this be? And, you know, is it something I can do from home or do I need to start from somewhere else or something along those lines? We've been thinking about kind of how we might augment. Cause I, I've, I've had a truck now, uh, for about what I bought it in October. So not quite a year, a little more than a half a year. Um, it's been nice to be able to put stuff in the truck and go somewhere else for a start point. Um, and especially with the kids young as they are, um, we've been talking about a lot of, uh, some of the bike tourism opportunities that might exist, you know, like going to find other bike paths in other parts of the state or other States. Uh, we're planning a trip this summer that, uh, all goes well. We go into Canada and do something similar to what we did in 2019 of, uh, some of the Gulf islands and that sort of thing, but, uh, being able to take the bikes from one place to another is a big piece of that. So, yeah. Right. Like you can still be bike camping, even if you start by driving someplace and then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Call it uh, automobile augmented bike touring. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, in terms of where you're living right now, also related, you came from quote unquote, the most bicycle friendly city in the US, quote unquote, to another city that is nowhere near quotes in terms of bicycling, <laughs> but it has gotten better since, uh, you know, I guess the original road was there. What is it like getting through Salem with two kiddos? It's a good question. I mean, I think like a lot of cities, Salem has a number of different environments uh, that are built in different ways. Uh, <clears throat> we, one of the things that was important to me when I was moving in somewhere, especially now that we bought a house somewhere, we're going to be for a while. I wanted it to be on something close to a grid where we'd have surface streets, neighborhood streets that we could uh, ride on and get around town with. And so, um, I mean, the biggest change for me, uh, moving from Portland to Salem is that Salem is a very small city, uh, in comparison and thinking of the places I used to bike to and the things that used to be normal for me, you know, at one point I lived 14 miles from work and that was like my daily commute. So, you know, <laughs> 28 miles a day or something like that. And I haven't done anything close to that in so long. Um, but, but Salem itself, uh, being a, a, a city of, uh, built environment diversity means that, uh, we tend to stick to the spots that, uh, are more accessible by bike. Um, the, uh, it was at Mento Brown park and waterfront park are kind of connected by what we call the taco bridge. Cause it's shaped like a taco. Uh, there's a nice little, um, access to this big natural area. So it's not too difficult to ride from our house through downtown to the, uh, the riverfront park, and then go to, uh, the, there's a city and a County park that kind of adjoin with a big network of trails. And so, um, that's the place we'll go most often if we're just looking for a ride. Um, that said, there's lots of other parts of town that I can go to by bike if I want to, um, or if I need to for some shopping need or what have you. Uh, I went to the DMV uh, the other day. I finally got my real ID, so I don't have to bring my passport along every time I fly domestically. Um, but to do that, I had to go to the DMV in South, which is more hilly, a bit more lumpy, and um, frankly, just not that fun to bike around. 
So, um, you know, they it, have, do they have bike parking at the TMV? I don't know staple. why okay. they had a staple and I, I locked up my cargo bike and there it was. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not like it's fun to get there by bike necessarily. Hey, wait, do we have to have the real ID to fly now? Not yet. Not okay. yet not for us. They I keep... think we, we got a, uh, what is it? Uh, an extension? Yeah. It's a special dispensation. They keep, uh, they keep letting us not have the, yeah. I did get a new license photo and, uh, I had just shaved, uh, anybody who saw me at Lance 500 knows that I, I had to shave my mustache for the costume. And then I just decided to not bring the mustache back. So, uh, I have a brand new clean shaven face on my license and, uh, and I have my new address on my license, which are both wins for me. <laughs> it's going to be easier for you though, to be in disguise. I suppose. You know, once, yeah. Once Fly you start going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That can't be yeah. him. He has a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> no one will ever guess. <laughs> so, um, yeah, one of the things you mentioned you wanted to talk about was urban mobility with kids. So, yeah, yeah for sure. And kind of, as I was alluding to earlier, like there are places you might want to go and places you might not. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting to think about, like, it, it's a big reframing. And I, I think I always had like a, um, uh, like an intellectual idea of what it would be to, to be different, uh, with, with kids on tow or kids in front in the bike. Um, and yeah, it, it's interesting thinking about what the dangers pose. Um, I think, I think I still tend to take more risks than some people would, but they're pretty calculated risks. And I don't think that any, any of those are jeopardizing. I think it's just like this, the sort of risk that riding in a bike lane on a street poses in America. Like that's, that's kind of risk I'm talking about, I think. And you're um, talking and you're still talking about like you're biking with them and you're carrying them. They're not, they're not on like, I mean, they're, they're not on their own. Obviously the baby isn't on his own bike. Not yet. Uh, nope. Um, we just started with the, uh, the strider bike, uh, with a uh-huh. balance bike to try and get my oldest to, to check it out. He, he hasn't been very interested in it. He's very interested in riding in the cargo bike, but not as interested in learning how to, to ride his own bike. And we found that with, uh, not only with, with this, but also with other things like wearing the certain clothing that we want them to wear, um, don't be above bribery as a parent. If you, uh, if you have lollipops and you say, Hey, if you put on this sweater that mommy bought you and paid a lot of money for, then I'll give you this lollipop and you know, it works. So similar with, uh, similar with the bike. I think we, I don't know if we've necessarily bribed him to ride the bike yet, but he's starting to show interest. And I think, uh, we just need to give him the hard pitch. Do you think that he's waiting for a balanced cargo bike? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like the bikes you all ride. <laughs> or a balanced bike with a tiny bob trailer on the back or something like that. <laughs> that's right. He's like, no, I want a real like I want something that's a real bike, like a like you have. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm excited to see him kind of kind of latch onto it because I think that'll open up a whole, a whole new world, uh, as the song goes. I think um one of the things that I tried the other day was we took a ride to the park. I described a uh, Minto Brown park and, uh, I put the balance bike on the side of the cargo bike and, and tied it on with bungees. Uh, and that was, that was nice because then we could give him a shot at trying the bike in a place where we're out, we're having fun, you know, associated with a good time with like a picnic dinner and, and playing on the playground and that sort of thing. Um, and so figuring out kind of how to, how to best attach that. 
I tried it two or three different ways in the course of that ride, and I don't think it's the best one. So I need to see if I need any additional hardware or different straps or anything like that. But um, I am excited to bring it along. Uh, just kind of, what do they call it? Carry shit Olympics. The idea that you uh, you can carry lots of things on your bikes if you have the uh, the will and the gumption. I um I definitely did not uh approach it the best way with, with my kids when it came to bikes. I mean, they had bikes and they like, they liked riding their bikes, you know, around on the sidewalk. And then, um, for mother's day about, I don't know, I can't remember how old they were. It was probably six, seven, eight years ago. I mean, they were, you know, elementary school age. I was like, well, for mother's day, what I want is for us to, to bike to brunch. Right. And, um, and, I should have thought a little more about how far the place was that we were going because for their little legs, it was just a little too far. And they basically said never again. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, and, and not that they never got on their bikes again, but they were never game to go for like on their bikes for, you know, to a destination like that to, you know, it was, it was only in the past, uh, year that my older kid has actually started riding a bike. And, you know, so he's, he's 19 now. So when he was 18 and he had a job, he started riding a bike and my, and my 17 year old has still not really gotten back on a bike after, I don't know, elementary school. So maybe he'll come back around to it. We'll see, but yeah, yeah. I, I think the trick is, is how do you make it normative, right? How do you make it like an average experience to go bike somewhere? And it, it's really difficult. Like, it's just not, it's not something, especially when you have access to a car or when you have access to transit or, or, uh, you know, calling a car, like a rideshare thing or, or anything like that. Like there are so many ways that you can get around without having to expend a lot of effort. Uh, the, all the, all the rentable scooters these days, I forget what the age cut off. Do you have to be 18 to rent one of those little scooters? I feel like you do, but I'm not uh, sure. Is it, yeah. I don't know if it's 16. I think it might be 18, but I okay. haven't actually, they haven't expressed a lot of interest in that, but I, but the bus is a really good point, right? Because they have bus or bus passes, uh, or, or they did as, as Portland public high school students. And, and they both are very comfortable taking the bus and getting around. So that's actually a great life skill. I think that they're getting as part of their transportation to and from high school, but, uh, yeah, so they have other ways of, of getting around. Oh, I guess we're hearing that 16 is the age. Is that, is that the age for the, for the scooter share though, or just like the law? I think it's just for scooter share. Cause I'm on portland.gov, which oh, okay. I believe it's part of the scooter mm-hmm. share program. Okay. So, so at least yes. in Portland and maybe in other places, but you know, for my younger kid, uh, part of the reason, uh, that he doesn't want to bike places is because, uh, he doesn't want to bike on greenways. Basically he would bike, I think in a, on a protected bike way. Like he's, he's one of those, he would, I think he would be fine biking if it were, um, not, I don't mean just like a bike lane, like an actual protected infrastructure cycle track or, or et cetera. Yeah. Whereas my older kid is, is, is fine with it. And only, once he goes on a route and it's bad, will he say to me, will you f- help me figure out a bike friendly route? <laughs> you know, got it. Um, yeah. So you but, have but one he... who is interested, but concerned mm-hmm. <laughs> and one who is approaching strong and fearless. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But also they were, you know, they could walk to school, so they weren't biking to school anyway. 
I don't know, but the older one's coming back around. So maybe we'll see. We'll see. There you go. I tried not to make it a thing that I was unhappy, you know, like I didn't, I didn't make a big deal of it. It's like, if they didn't want to, I didn't want to make it like, uh, like I didn't want to make it so that they felt like they could rebel against me by not riding a bike. Sure. Right. Cause differentiation will happen. So you gotta, <laughs> you gotta allow for that and kind of like measure your own influence in that way. <laughs> Don't make it like too much of your own message, your own, uh, yeah, you want somebody else to encourage someone else like Armando Armando. Well, it seems like you had fairly good success with your, particularly with your son. It seems like, you know, biking is just kind of the thing you do and how, how could it not be because you're Armando? Well, my daughter was biking at a point when she's on a Corvallis. So she was biking to work, which that made me really happy. And she often, often, uh, discusses the frustrations she has when she wants to go somewhere with her friends or housemates and they don't have bikes and they don't know, they don't know about biking. Mm. So they'll just drive, you know, they'll drive a mile away because that's what they do. Um, like it's one thing for, for her to do it, but it's, it's quite another for it to be a social experience. Exactly. And she's probably uh, not excited but, about like, Hey, I'll meet you there on my bike. She wouldn't mind, but sure. I think her friends aren't into it. That's weird. Just get in the car. They're yeah, exactly. Is, uh, She's a weirdo. They find parking when they can't. <laughs> um, and I, for Jean-Luc, um, I don't know. He's, you know, uh, both his mom and I are, are, are bike people, I would say. So I think he gets more of it now just because um, he mountain bikes a lot with his mom and he commutes more with me, I, I would say. So yeah, it's he's also a, a film auteur, uh, about a film auteur. Right? I know, like I know I got to catch up with him there. So I need to catch up with him there. So. There we go. <laughs> so how's, um, how's home ownership treating you? Oh, don't Rock? ever do it. It's a filthy habit. Never start. <laughs> I mean, Not it, good, huh? <laughs> it's great. I, um, there, there's, there's something to be said, uh, particularly as a bicyclist, like I think almost the worst part. I think the worst part overall was being asked to water my lawn when I don't believe in watering lawns, <laughs> like just for the sake of having a green lawn. Uh, that, Who, who's dumb. asking you? Are there my rules? old landlord? Oh, oh, yeah. you mean when you were renting? Yeah. I think yeah. it was part of the, uh, I think it was part of the lease if I'm not mistaken. And I don't know if it was explicitly part of the lease, but I think that was how she interpreted it. And she was very displeased when, you know, the time came to well, we might be moving out in two or three months and the lawn's all brown and everything. Uh, I, I guess I can understand that, but also people need to change their minds about lawns. Um, that said this year, my lawn's doing great because it's been very wet. Um, we were worried it would never come back and turns out it came back in spades. But, uh, one of the things that, um, that is nice about being a homeowner as opposed to a renter, uh, is that if you are a bike person, it's not difficult to set things up. Like you have, you have the agency to design your house and your garage or whatever else you've got kind of around your bicycling needs. And so, you know, um, most of, you know, two, two of you of the three of you have been to my house, Joan, you're invited someday if you're ever coming through. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I'm a big fan of having a garage and using it for bikes. You know, um, I, I try to stay away from the garage as storage unit sort of thing, because like, obviously we have to keep some stuff in there, but I want it to be useful. So we've got, I forget how many bikes we have. Um, 
for anyone who's listening and thinking about breaking in, we don't have that many bikes, uh, but it's, uh, it's nice to have it set up just as I've always been a fan of hanging your bike from the wall. So you don't, you don't have as much floor space, you know, it's easy to access that sort of thing. We have not one, not two, but three wheeled child devices, um, for two are trailers. One is a, a stroller and we never, um, we never decided to stick with just one, uh, I guess, uh, you know, for convenience's sake, it's easier to leave one set up as just the full-time stroller, uh, with pneumatic tires. The other one is a bike trailer. It could be converted to be a stroller and it is a two seater, but it's, it, it's, I think subpar. Um, so we've never bought trailer things firsthand. So, uh, you get what you pay for, I guess. And we got, we got Craigslist specials. So, um, but the idea of just having a, a, space that's set up so that we have access to our bikes, including, you know, I've got the cargo bike, got the tall bike, uh, got my grandpa's old tandem, uh, all those things, you know, we can fit into this two car garage. And I I'd like to think that it's relatively orderly. Uh, we've, we've had seasons coming and going of how, how tidy that is. Um, and we've got some storage along the wall, but, uh, it's a usable space. And so that's something I appreciate, you know, cause I've been in apartments where we had to carry our bikes down into the shared basement and lock them next to the washer and dryer. Um, we've had, I'm trying to think of what the other situations are rented a lot of houses. And so like we had some ability to, to install things in garages and set them up the way that we wanted them. Um, but to basically, you know, as long as I pay my mortgage to know that I can set this space up and, uh, we can keep the bikes ordered in a way that makes it easy to pull out and use, um, that to me is one of the highlights. Uh, and so knowing that it's difficult sometimes to get into ownership, not everybody, uh, not everybody wants it, frankly, like it's, you know, sometimes it's nice to not have something you're tied to. I know that, um, my, a lot of my life position is, uh, not conducive to long distance bicycle touring. So I can't go out and do like a cross country journey because I've got a job, I've got a house, I got my kids, uh, for which I have responsibility for all those. And so, uh, you know, not for everybody, but, knowing that like, if that is the thing that you're able to do, um, it, it is a nice thing. So that that's one of the positives. Some of the negatives have to do with cutting your lawn, have to do with keeping stuff up. I am, <clears throat> I'm a little worried about kind of like, when is my roof going to need to be replaced or that sort of thing? I have no idea. I'm not particularly educated, but I will be, uh, which I guess is another one of the things that you do. So <laughs> those are some things that come to mind. It's, 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 uh, you know, when I, when I bought the house that I live in, uh, now I was, I was married and my now ex-husband had sort of primary, I mean, he grew up in, in construction. So he just sort of had, he just took care of a lot of things around the house. And, um, so now being fully responsible for that is it's, it's, it's like, you don't, it's not like, oh, thing a is broken. So I will now get it replaced. It's not just the money. It's you're just like, Oh, windows. Now I have to spend a month learning about windows. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, what kind of material and what, you know, what's the, so it gets super complicated because for everything, there's like so many layers of decisions, right? Like right now, one of the things I'm thinking about doing in my house, um, there's like a shared driveway. Uh, well, it's a driveway on 
anyway, basically I don't have a parking spot in my house. So uh-huh. there's a driveway on my property that could go to a parking spot, but it's just fenced in backyard. So it only goes to a parking spot on my neighbor's property. So I was thinking of basically moving the fence and adding a parking spot, which as an idea that I think about and never act on doesn't sound very complicated because I have this idea. Oh, someday I might have an electric vehicle. I just knock it down. That's easy, right? It's fine. Yeah. Like if I ever have an electric vehicle, I want to be able to plug it in. Not I couldn't park it on the street then and charge it. And then when I actually it's like, well, who do you even it's like figuring out who is the person who does this work? How do you figure out, you know, and then I'm talking to like Tony Jordan about making a parking spot in my backyard, you know, or anyway. So it's standing just, on it's a, a corner with a sign that says, do you have a sledgehammer? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's. And then, and then you're like, oh, I have to, you can't, you don't just park on the grass. You have to put like the layer of the small gravel and the bigger, and then you're just like, ah, maybe I'll just keep parking on the street. Maybe mm-hmm. that's fine. So for everything or like, you know, uh, if you, if you can't do little stuff yourself, it's even, it's even, I guess when I was a kid, we always had a handyman. Sure. You know, Mr. the guy Starrett, like down the Mr. street, Mr. Starrett, like I remember his name. Yeah. And he did all sorts of little stuff. Um, I happen to live not too far from, uh, I'll, I'll just say it Lowe's, uh, Lowe's is my preferred mostly because of, uh, who they didn't donate to in the last, uh, political uh, ordeal. So uh, that's where I usually go to buy my stuff. If I'm looking for a big box store to buy something from, um, I'm close enough to ride. I have ridden there a couple times. I have walked there occasionally um, when, when the weather is pleasant. Uh, it's not too bad, but there's always the, like the truck trip for like the one little thing when I don't feel like riding my bike. And I feel like the kind of the judicious use of vehicles when you get into doing your own house repair or like even getting your own stuff. Um, it, it, it's a little bit tricky sometimes to make those calls. And I'm not going to say that I'm perfect because I have driven my truck to Lowe's parked it out by the lake next to Lowe's just to get like, I think the last thing I got was, uh, a toilet bolt set because I had a toilet seat that uh, was loose. The old bolts weren't doing the trick. And, uh, Thank goodness. Now the seat is secure once again, but it was loose for far too long. I felt like I I felt kind of embarrassed. My in-laws were there and, uh, yes, the lake 80 miles from Santa Fe. Thank you. Um, oh, speaking of which I did just get this in the mail today. I'm holding up a patch that says Dean summer wind, and it has, uh, just stitched on the patch. Uh, it's a nice little scene of a truck parked out by a lake 80 miles from from Santa Fe. It's a nice, nice looking patch. It is. I want to put it on a hat or something, but, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I have like, I can get to a couple small, like Ace and true value type hardware stores on foot actually, or on bike. And actually, if I put my trailer on the bike, I could probably get a lot of stuff, but, uh, but you know, I, I like, yeah, this weekend I, I drove to Lowe's to buy a bunch of flowers, but then I like those flowers could have fit in my trailer. So yeah, That's that so moral conundrum of mm-hmm. what, <laughs> and some people, you know, bless their hearts. Some people don't ever have this moral conundrum. They, they're not even thinking about it and it's not an issue. And, uh, I, I think about it every time I get in the truck, even if I'm like, I'm definitely taking the truck for this. I'm like, well, my mileage is relatively low. You know, uh, I lost about 10 miles per gallon when I changed vehicles and I just feel like this might be a bad choice. I could probably do this trip without burning some fuel, 
But one thing that was interesting to me was uh, building a fence last summer. Uh, Aaron Green, founder of the Regranary and author of We Were Like Sons, uh, he came down to help me construct a fence around my backyard, which I didn't quite know was my backyard. I forget if I mentioned this on any other show, but um, code, trying to figure out like how tall can the fence be? Uh, I did get written confirmation from the city that for purposes of fence code, my garage is my front door and that I can have a six foot fence on the, the uh, street facing part of my property. So I, I'm the kind of guy who likes to have those things nailed down so I don't have to worry about it later. Um, but a lot of wood and a lot of posts, bags of concrete, that sort of thing, uh, a pre-assembled gate, hinge hardware, all of those things, I ended up ordering from Lowe's and they dropped them off like from a truck. It was like a, just like a freight situation, like big truck, you know, tractor trailer shows up in front of my house. Guy like pulls out the, the forklift from the back, unloads it all, drops it on my driveway. And there you go. And it was nice to know that, um, obviously that's a fuel burning vehicle, but it wasn't my fuel burning vehicle. I felt like I was fairly responsible because that's, that's a trip that's already being made to deliver other things. And so it was cool to know that, well, you know, people are used to, I think delivery now, it's not a, as big of a thing. Cause like if you shop at Amazon or any other online retailer, usually, you know, you're getting something dropped off by somebody, some unidentified van shows up and drops something on your porch. Uh, for me, in this case, it was just a truck driver with a forklift and you know, that stuff showed up, but it was nice to know that like, I don't have to, I don't have to make eight trips to get all that stuff. If I could just have one guy who's already making the trip to deliver other stuff. I don't know if it solves the moral conundrum, you know, uh, and the moral conundrum is different for everybody based on your own personal scruples. But for me, I felt good about having stuff delivered. And then we built a fence. Well, that leads into, uh, you wanted to chat a little bit about climate change, this, which is, you know, connected to all these climate change. I haven't heard of it. It's it's, it's (laughs) not a funny joke. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I think about that too, because yeah. Like, like we all make little individual decisions and how do they add up? And I know that's been on your mind, but then again, like you'll come up to Portland for the day and you'll take the train. Yeah. Occasionally I, I will say for every train trip I've taken or every bus trip I've taken, uh, usually there's like four or five truck trips that, that also have <laughs> uh, interspersed between that. It has been nice to have a shared mode that, uh, you know, that trip's already going to, and so I can hop on the bus or I can hop on the train and go and see my friends. Uh, I'm real happy about the the bike options. You know, I can take my bike with me. I can ride around town. I've done that a couple of times. Uh, Guthrie, I think you came to one. Armando, you came to one. I did. Joan, you I came did. to one. That's mm-hmm. right. Yep. It's the same one. We mm-hmm. all met up. Um, I, but I just spent like a whole day. That was my uh, my vaccination. Like after I got my my initial two dose. Uh, you know, two weeks after the fact or whatever. Whenever I was considered to be fully vaccinated, I was like, okay, I can go up and hang with some friends. And it's been nice. I've done that a couple different times. Um, I wish in some ways, I wish that there were more buses or trains in other ways. I don't, um, but as pertains to climate change, I mean, there have been a lot of events over the past couple of years that have made me think about kind of climate resiliency and what do I do, um, as a homeowner. Um, so figuring out like we we were all learning how to make box fans, you know, uh, when there was a lot of wildfire smoke in the area, uh, box fans with filters attached to them to kind of help clean your own interior air. So buying a, a full-time filter to help clear out the air just in case that ever happens again, since I bought it, it hasn't. So maybe it's the rain gear principle that, you know, if you buy the thing, you won't need it. I'm sure hoping that's the case. Um, 
But uh, one of the things was we had the heat domes last year, and I was I was real real nervous about that situation because uh, had the old car, and I'm, honestly, I don't know how much better we would have fared in the new truck. Um, but when it's 120 degrees outside and you've got a son who's under a year old, trying to figure out like, can we get home safely? Because we were coming from Glacier National Park and um, it was goddamn hot. And so just trying to figure out like, what what do we do? about situations like that. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of air conditioning, uh, although it is nice to be cool in the summer. Um, but when air conditioning is like a life-saving thing and when I've got people I'm responsible for who, you know, might not fare well in heat. I remember that time around, you know, my oldest and I just getting in the shower and like turning on the, the water and, and trying to keep cool. And it was 117 outside and 90 degrees inside because the house had been closed for the duration of our trip. But, um, you know, taking a, a cold shower and not really cooling down and, and just trying to figure out like, what, how do we, how do we get through this? Um, so, uh, I bought, I bought a, um, a generator and that's in the garage runs on a couple different kinds of fuel. And I had some work done by an electrician. Uh, thanks. I look good. I know, but, uh, trying to figure out how to like, if we ever lost power, um, started thinking about this when the ice storm hit and we lost power and it was really cold outside. Um, that wasn't any fun, but also even, maybe even more, um, crucially, like if it gets really hot outside and we have a heat event where we're just not, you know, we're not equipped to handle it. What if the power grid goes down then? Because during the summer heat last year, um, I heard there was a couple different instances of, uh, power going out, you know, all these people are saying, well, it's very hot. So let's turn on the air conditioners and, uh, all that demand on the electrical grid just couldn't deliver in certain places. People lost their power. And if that's the case, then, you know, you're, you're getting to dangerous temperatures inside your dwelling and you can't go outside to cool down. And, you know, uh, depending on where you live, you may not have other alternatives. And so trying to figure out, you know, for one, how do I protect my family and how do I take care of the people I'm responsible for? And, and two, like if say my neighbors who I have a pretty good relationship with, I'm grateful for that, but, um, they didn't have an air conditioner until last summer when they finally put one in, cause it was last summer. Um, you know, but if that goes out, you know, can, can we invite people in that potentially does that make the difference between feeling okay and not feeling okay? Uh, and so just figuring out things like that, you know, uh, one as a homeowner, two as a family guy and, and three as, you know, as someone who, wants to be able to help people when I can, um, what are some things I can do to potentially be a bit more resilient if more things like this happen in the future and seems like maybe they will. Yeah, I think that's a, that's something I think about too. Like sometimes I'm wondering if I should be, um, I don't know, bringing my kids to survivalist camps in the summer so that they can learn how to grow seed from, uh, the ruins of the scorched earth, for example, just as one example, but, um, there's a podcast. It's kind of a, like, uh, I'd call it like a lefty or kind of like anarchist prepper podcast that I've mm -hmm. listened to over the past few years called live like the world is dying. Mm -hmm. Um, with this, uh, great host, Margaret Kiljoy, which is an excellent name as well. That's and, fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah. And she's a musician too. Uh, and one of the things that she talks a lot about is that it's not that, you know, you need to be able to be a, a doctor and a farmer and a this and a that. The most important thing is community. 
right? So yeah, you need to be able to, um, if you are like knowing your neighbors and you don't even necessarily have to know them very well, but being on good terms or at least knowing who your neighbors are, then if, if, if something's happening and you're like, oh, I wonder if old Mr. So-and-so is okay. Maybe they don't have air conditioning and just that there may be people thinking about other people, um, you know, or if your power goes out and yeah, there you go. It's live like the world is dying. Is that what you said? Yeah. And actually one of the, I don't know if she's still doing it, but one of the uh, more recent episodes that she did was actually on um, suburban resiliency, right? Suburban organizing. Yeah. Yeah. Suburban. And then she's with two G's or maybe. Yeah. And then, and she's talked to a handful of folks um, from East. She's in North Carolina, but she's talked to a handful of folks out here, but, um, or, or just in actually in cities, um, I, I don't know if she's still doing it. I would actually love to hear her do an episode on bikes, right. And how bikes can be, you know, I think there's a a really interesting things we could talk about there, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And like, what are we supposed to be doing in the little picture to take care of our kids, to take care of our communities? I don't have the answer. I think about it a lot though. I've thought about it since I watched all those, uh, since I grew up during the eighties and was terrified of nuclear war. Pretty of much course. Yeah. Childhood. I mean, there's always, there's <laughs> always some possibility and I mean, that's still a possibility too. So yeah. Um, I, I'm curious, I, I, both Armando and Guthrie, I, Guthrie, I feel like you've spent some time thinking about this sort of thing as well. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of like a summarizing thought, so to speak. Uh, mainly what I thought about was if the temperatures increase too much, then seeds fail to germinate. So that's not mm. really good either. Yeah. Uh, which is in your heat increase or nuclear situation take your pick. Um, but on a cheerier note, I think, I think what I'm hearing is it's those little things that add up over the course of time. And I think that for anyone to take on that burden is, um, you know, it can feel overwhelming, but if you take that moment to make a choice in favor of a cooler planet, um, less stuff going in the waste stream, etc., then that's probably good. And also if you don't, uh, and this is a lesson I have to learn every now and then it's like, don't be super hard on yourself. Cause that doesn't really help anybody either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are, you know, towards homeownership, a lot of neat things coming out these days that can help both in energy efficiency and also in reducing the effects of climate change, uh, heat pumps, for example, how you get your electricity, those sorts of things. And what's very interesting right now is at the global scale, due to let's just say current events um well there is a renewed interest in reducing our dependency on fossil fuels so in a weird way and i may maybe i'll cut this later but putin seems to be the greatest climate change champion that's come along or what is it good for yeah well getting (laughs) off oil this time around. i guess so like maybe we'll see i'm I'm a pessimistic person when it comes to that kind of stuff, but I'm hopeful that there will be lasting change. So yeah, wandering thoughts. Um, These are all personal opinion, of course, but it is kind of a conundrum. Uh, Rather than the official, official perspective of the Sprocket podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Or or my employer, for example. Uh, That's for sure. (laughs) Well, let's be clear. The podcast doesn't have an opinion. It's a podcast. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, so, I think it, I think the podcast thing spikes are good. I'm gonna well, just that's podcast. likely. I don't know. 
can <laughs> hash that one out. Rocket podcast. <laughs> Bikes are good. That's right. Uh, it does remind me of uh, there was this this meme going around the internet that it's probably been around for a while. Someone sent it to me, and it was the uh, uh, the cargo bike, like the long tail cargo bike with the propane tank in one of the pouches on the side. It's like. People always talk about like, you know, like if you don't go out and ride bikes because like, you know, if you had a car, you'll lose. And like, no, we can both lose if I have a propane tank on my bike. Um, I am thinking about going and getting some propane for my generator by bike. So I have to make sure so, it's secured well and I make good decisions in traffic. Uh, so uh, solar panels are one of those things I think about as a homeowner that, you know, it can be both a good thing, right? Like it's just, but it, it seems like it's a good thing in general, even when the power is working, but then if it's not, you know, then everybody wants to come over and hang out with you, I guess. It's true. Yeah. And figuring out like how viable like solar is, it, I have no idea. I haven't done the yeah. research, but the idea of like, what does it cost to get it in? Whose pocket are you in? If it's not, <laughs> if, if you're getting what seems to be like a good deal um, and, yeah. and kind of what can you do? But I mean, that said, we all like electricity a lot. And so, you know, if, if you could get it from the sun and you didn't have to have a middleman, uh, aside from the people who own it until you buy it or whatever. Yeah. It's another one of those homeowner things where you're like, Oh, I think I'd like to do this. And then you start looking into it and you're like, I have, I don't want to have to learn all about, I don't even know. I was going to come up with some very technical sounding word, Positrons. photo volts and gigawatts. <laughs> I still don't know the difference between amps and flux volts, capacitor. and I know there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I don't there want a flex a capacitor on my roof. <laughs> I want a Mr. Fusion. I want that where you can just put the banana peel in and then you fly off into the, the future. All right. Well, if any of our listeners know where that technology might be available, that's right. Let us yeah. know. Let us know. <laughs> well, and one of the other things that's nice about being a homeowner is kind of having room to offer. Like, um, when I say this, th there may be people for whom I am not hosting. Uh, so don't, don't write in all at once, but, uh, it's nice for people who I know, for people who I consider to be friends. And there are many podcast listeners who I consider to be personal friends at this point, because we've had so many online interactions or sometimes in person, um, like Greg Braithwaite from bike vids. Uh, you know, he was, he was in town and he dropped by and we like played records and talked and it was great. It was fun. Um, but, uh, also like for people who are coming through, if, you know, if we have a guest room to offer, um, I love keeping space open for people, um, you know, and so figuring out how, uh, how, how that plays into like, we're 10 minutes from the bus station, 10 minutes from the Amtrak station. If somebody wants to hop on the bus and come and hang out and, you know, say we go have a beer on the town and we come back and then you sleep here. Um, that's, that's something that I like about being a homeowner is that we, have space and we prioritize that space and we're, we're here to welcome you. So again, uh, you know, not everybody all at once, but, but it's, it's certainly a possibility. So next weekend, everybody go to Brock's. That's it. <laughs> Should I read out the geolocation now? <laughs> well, uh, I think is this a good spot to, uh, yeah, we can yeah. go for a wrap. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> it's good to catch up with you. Absolutely. I mean, I did see you. I guess I saw you. I was earlier in the or no last month at at Lads, so that was really nice. It was good yeah, to see for you. sure. That was that the was first so time. Nice. 
I didn't even ride bikes at lads. Honestly, we, we took a ride afterwards cause I did like all of two laps and then I stood around looking Amish while everybody else <laughs> went around the circle. So, I spent more time hanging out with your kid than I did riding my bike. Thank you, uh, by the way. I appreciate that. Was that. Great. that was delightful. That was great fun. No, they had a great time. It was, it was finally a garden full of flowers that you didn't get in trouble for picking. And so <laughs> that's right. That's right. And then I remember when I, you know, picked up the baby and then all of a sudden I was like, so worried, like, oh no, with COVID, is it okay? And then, and then you were both like, no, please take the child. <laughs> spend as much time with it, like with them yep. as you want, yep. <laughs> please. I would say that that risk was relatively low given, given our, our factors. So we were thank all you. outside. Thank you yeah. for holding yeah. him for, for a good long while, maybe longer than you were called upon to do. I don't know. Oh, it was, it was lovely. No, it was all good. It was all good until, uh, he saw his mother and then it was all over for me. That's always how it goes. <laughs> doesn't matter how great, you know, it, it's always just like, everything's terrible when mom shows up because moms such- can make everything better. That was a, it was so great to be at lads though. Um, it was, it was such great fun energy to be outside riding around and see, and it's so great because like, how often do you have bike events where you don't go anywhere? Hmm, Right. So it's like, you can be stationed someplace all day and riding your bike. I think, I think we need to figure out a way to have more events that somehow incorporate riding your bike and not going anywhere. This is a no drop ride. (laughs) Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, should I throw out real quick, just uh, in case anybody hears this, and I'm still doing it. Um, uh, my my music cult. Uh, I'm I'm doing. Uh, I'm turning forty this year, so I'm running off uh, kind of bracket style all of my favorite albums. Um, and so, if anybody's interested in that, I can shoot a link over to you folks, and you can put it in the show notes. Uh, got a spreadsheet, got a Facebook group, and uh, a lot of it is just really hard choices no one should ever have to make. Like right now, uh, which would you choose? Which do I like better? Uh, the Cars by The Cars or The Joshua Tree by U2? Both great albums. It's going to hurt to say, you know, this one moves forward, this one does not. But somehow uh, Adele suggests that I, I somehow take some pleasure in uh, disagreeing with all the popular votes. Uh, <laughs> a lot of, because this is ultimately about like which one do I like better? But oh, um, so people are not voting. So like you have, so you're asking for votes and then they're, and then you're like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> well, I have personal factors. And so I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to line up, like you need to help me make this decision because on my own, I don't think I could. Um, so sometimes, sometimes I agree with the popular opinion. Sometimes I don't. And I don't know if that's fun for the participants or not. They probably don't been know. It, they well, probably it, don't. it's quite possible. <laughs> You can tell them that, that you went on popular opinion. That's right. <laughs> no <one>. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so there's a number of folks, you know, like, uh, Mac nurse, David, Harry Hugel, uh, Greg from bike vids and a couple other folks, I think from the podcast that are already uh, casting votes and telling me I'm wrong and that sort of thing, which really, that's all I want for my birthday. I mean, I, I'll be glad to, when is it, when is it? Your actual my, birthday? My actual birthday is July 16th. Okay. I'll, I'll put a note in my calendar to text you that you're wrong about something. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> so, Thank so you. that you can have, and exactly I will disagree. I will rebel against your opinion <laughs> and say, no, you're wrong <laughs> for my birthday. I get discord. There you go. <laughs> oh, Brock. Thank you so much for joining. It's nice to hear your voice. It's very it nice, nice to hear to your, your voice. face. Yeah. 
It's good to see you folks. Look forward to uh, another in-person at some point. Yeah. Pedal Palooza is not too far away. Well, come on up. We'll do a Pedal Palooza episode. Um, I guarantee you the bus will be running at that point. Yeah. And there might even be, well, maybe not for Pedal Palooza, but there could be a new bridge in town. It'd be fun. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we can, uh, maybe we could figure out a way to do a ride, a uh, uh, sprocket. I mean, we'll have to talk about it, figure out a way to do a sprocket ride when you could be up here. I know that might be a little logistically complicated for Let's see what we can us, do. But we'll see what we can do. <laughs> we promise the sprocket ride will end where we said it ends. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, the sprocket podcast is produced in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and tell your friends about us. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Dial us on Twitter and Instagram at Sprocket Podcast. <laughs> Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. For our headlines, Sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners. Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Richard Wazinski, Jim Mooney, Glenn Kubish, Eric Weiss, Cameron Lean. Doug Cohen-Miller, Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Cooley. Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom. Anna, Richard G., Campsite. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons, topic of a person mentioned in the show, and founder of The Regranary. Jeremy Kitchen, Mr. T, Harry Hugel, EJ Finneran. Thanks for the bike, EJ. Brad Hipwell, Keith Hetchison, Ryan Tam, Jason Oftenberg. Andre Johnson, Gregory Braithwaite, Chris Barron. Dennis O'Brien, Sean Baird, Ood Luna. Hey, that's me. Emma Rooks. Kaka. Lillian Karabayek, Spartan Dale. Philip M, Bike Initiative, Keweenaw, Adam D. Go Dig a Hoe, Beth Hammond, Greg Murphy, Guthrie Straw. Ira Martinez, Oso, Byron Patterson, Mac Nurse David, Kirsten Graham, Aaron G, Rachel Moline, Jonathan Lee, stop by my house again sometime, Hami Romani, Di, oh, I haven't said these names before, Damiana Day, am I getting that right? Damiana, Damiana Day is what we're going with. Okay, excuse Damiana me, I am so Damiana sorry. Damiana has not yet let us know. So yes, you can correct me. And Helen Kessler. And thanks to our newest sponsor, Andrew McGregor. And thanks to all our former supporters who helped us along the way. Now, brush your teeth. Make sure you have your blanket and your lovey and go to bed.